You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 301 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. Excited about our uh, episode this week, uh, Headshot and yes. Selfie Tips with guest Andre Valco. But, uh, Fantastic. You know, um, before we usually uh, crap on about other stuff, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, First of all, we to... wanted to give a big shout out to everyone who sent us some lovely words of congratulations for our 300th episode, yes. which was such a milestone <laughs> in our journey together. When we first started recording, it was a little bit of a lark and um, I remember we recorded our first episode in my office in Sydney while Gina yeah. was visiting one uh, one time and um, we certainly never expected that we would be there 300 episodes later <laughs> uh, and I'm still celebrating actually, Gina, because... Uh, oh, we no. swear Valerie's still the... drinking and it's a week later it is with not, not recording so, two. It's it's actually a, we are a full not recording week this like straight after the other episode. This is really genuinely a week later. But I am not very snobby or I am not very highbrow when it comes to um, you know, the finer things in life. And no, I just put one of those <laughs> I just put one of those champagne stopper things into the champagne. <laughs> I'm drinking the champagne one week later. But, uh, you know, I, I have no shame. I'm fine with that. And it's it's actually tastes still really good. It's a really effective champagne. Has it still um, got stopper. bubbles, Val? A little bit. Not as much bubbles as flat. before. But a little, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit flatter. But um, I'm not going to make a habit of this at all. It's just that. I think it was just a trigger, right? It was like, oh, I'm talking well, to Podcasting, Gina, I should, I should drink. Yes. yes. But this Although, is not going to you know, be we a can't regular be doing occurrence. three-hour podcast episodes no. every no, no, week. No, no. But the, and, and thank you to everyone who also indulged us with the uh, the thank code you. word that they listened to the end. I won't yes. say it. I won't ruin it to, for anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast, but so much um, fantastic feedback. We had an absolute blast yes. talking about god knows how many tangents we went off on but yes. i do love this community and we do love yeah, um, coming together every week and uh doing what we do and it's just so stoked that there are <laughs> people all over the world that enjoy yeah, that really. too so thank you yes thank you so much really um for celebrating with us now as gina said this week's episode is about headshot and selfie tips with our guest andre valco but first we want to give a big shout out to gold member kate flowers this is so exciting kate has just found out that she got a highly commended in both the portrait and travel sections yes. as part of Australia's top emerging photographers for 2020. This is so cool. And it, like looking at her 
uh, portrait and <clears throat> travel photos, and we'll put uh, some images in the show notes. They're absolutely yeah. gorgeous, absolutely yeah. fantastic. So, yeah, good on you, Kate. Congratulations. This is wonderful. Yeah, and Kate, uh, I think, has been uh, a gold member since the start, I believe. She's one of really? our uh, founding members and uh, beautiful uh, portrait photography that we've been working on and uh, also travel shots are amazing. And, uh, yeah, c- c- congratulations. I'm just uh, wrapped for you. You know, you never know unless you have a go uh, at these things. So I encourage everyone to uh, enter these competitions. Absolutely. It's a great time now to do that. Yep. Uh, do don't be afraid afraid uh just jump in uh, because yeah. it might be you uh so these these awards come around uh regularly and uh just check them out just make sure that you check terms and conditions of the contest and make sure that you do retain the copyright of your photos there are some uh um contests that uh you know that they'll they'll take the copyright use your images for advertising and things like that so just be careful but uh this one um is uh from capture magazine is a fantastic one so uh yeah well done kate very proud yep absolutely fantastic and if you'd like to find out a little bit more about the gold community have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community if you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the gold community over at GinaMilitia.com, i asked mickey johns why she joined before joining the gold community i was still really timid i wasn't game enough to put myself out there when i spoke to you and after joining the community and seeing how much people actually put themselves out there and ask for feedback and and they want that critique so they can improve themselves it gave me that confidence boost to go you know what it's not a bad thing to have people say negative stuff about your work because otherwise you're not going to know what you need to fix you're going to just continue to do the same thing and and you're never going to improve it the the community itself are so open and so like inclusive and some people just sit there and they go i love your work but then other people go you know what you could do this or, or maybe you could try that next time and i found that really really helpful but i also love um your ask me anything because you go through and you actually you personalize the feedback. I'm putting myself out there to ask a question on how to improve that. The way that you go into detail to explain what you're talking about, it's just, it's really good. And I found that really, really helpful. That's probably my favorite part. I would just tell them to jump on it. Like, just get on there. Just, you're never gonna know something if you like something, um, unless you experience it yourself. Trust me, when you go and put yourself out there and you join a community and you have that sense of belonging somewhere, it's just, it's next level. You ca- you can't beat it at all. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so we're going to move on to headshot and selfie tips with our guest, Andre Valco. Now, you know, I have not actually been taking selfies this week, Gina, because I have been busy doing other things. Mm-hmm. I have my cat Rex now has a TikTok account. Well, that's like, I need my cheering soundtrack. Where is it? <laughs> you need to Cause, follow cause him you, on TikTok. I don't have TikTok, Val. Yeah, but well, yeah, it's not I, hard. You sure, just download yeah, it. You're right. 
And what's and he do on TikTok? How many he, how many followers has he got? Beautiful, you know, like he's he got some followers straight away. Yeah, and, of course. Um, he's he's just beautiful, and he just, I just looks take... beautiful. That's it. That's yeah. his thing. He's, That's all he he's needs. He's fourteen, to... isn't he? Uh, yeah, fourteen, fifteen. I can't remember now. Yeah, but perfect I... age for a TikTok account. Yes, yeah, so true. Yeah, he's so in true. the age bracket. He really is. So that has been my amusement for this week is to is setting Rex up on TikTok. He's really quite enjoying it. He's even had messages and comments. He had a YouTube account, didn't he, before that? He did. Well, that was a long time ago. He was one of yeah. the early adopters of YouTube. He yeah. used to, um, yes. Read create, the news. Read the news and do yeah. various videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really go on YouTube as much anymore because he's on TikTok now. Fantastic. But anyway, let us move on. To, yep. And maybe he'll start posting some selfies soon. So Can't we wait. are t- <laughs> we are talking to um, Slovakian-born, UK-based photographer Andre Valko. Tell us about Andre. So, if you're a member of the "So You Want to Be a Photographer" Facebook community, free to join. Um, well, you will already know uh, Andre's amazing headshots and fantastic selfies that he takes, and um, you'll also know that he he doesn't just do your average selfie; he does selfies with his entire family. So it's like it's not enough for him to go on holiday and then just hand the camera over to someone where you know. <laughs> You know when you do that, Val, you've been with me when we've asked people to take our photos and I'm yeah. never happy and I give no. them so much direction. And even when you say, okay, here's the camera, I want you to crop here, here, here and here and I'll line it up for them and they still manage to get it wrong. And you, you just like, I get mm. so annoyed that, I you know, know. And, and Andre's worked out the best way to avoid having to do that do it yourself, set yes. it up yourself. So he, he manages to um, take these amazing family portraits and it's just as selfies. And what's also fantastic about that is that when you're out as a family and if you t- there's always like the dad takes the photo. So, you know, mm. it's it's the dad's not in the photo or mum's not in the photo. Well, there's always someone who misses out when there's the big dinner, someone's taking the yes. photo not in as part of the family group. So here's a fantastic workaround. So he shares uh, all his techniques of doing this. And just as an aside, Val, we haven't done um, Aussie slang word of the week. Did you know? Why don't we save that? Why don't we save that till after for the, the end episode? of the show? But I already yes. talk about it in the interview, Val. Oh, so okay, I just want to, you know, right. talk about this. The word selfie. Invented by an Aussie, Val. Really? Yes. Really? Cute cheer. I really, I really want. Okay. I'm going to turn into one of those uh, 1980s radio DJs where every time they speak, oh, on top of the show, ba-doing, it's all the sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve-O from the Gold Coast calling, ba-doing. Ba-doing, I, I, I what's the ba I don't know. They always have stupid sound effects. But oh, I yes, just, yes. I just want my clapping all the time, you yes, know, yes. So just imagine yes. that cheering in the background. Yes. Um, the first use of the term uh, selfie, selfie was on a public forum in like September 2002 wow. when an Australian man took a photo. He'd obviously been in a fight and he'd torn <laughs> his lip, right, which it already just sounds, mate, so I tore my lip, mate, yeah. mate, mate. And so what he was doing is he was took a photo of the lip and he posted it uh, 
and he wanted um, to say what, you know, do you think I should get stitches for my, for my tear? And he said, I've taken a selfie. <laughs> so he coined the phrase. And, but he uh, doesn't even realise. So and he didn't realise. And so, you know, people have analysed it and uh, it's typical Aussie language to shorten a word. We add IE, which you all are aware of. So, you know, mm. we don't say barbecue, we say Barbie. We don't yeah. say firefighter, we say fiery. We don't yeah. say postman, you know, and uh, and uh, selfie for a photo and a tin, of tin can of beer is a tinny. tinny. So how cool is that? Because of Australians, you have that term selfie you're welcome uh, i'll just say <laughs> thanks on behalf of the entire nation you're welcome i would just like uh, to add that the selfies that andre uh is talking about aren't the kind of drunken ones where you no. stick your iphone out no. and hold it in your hand and put it no. on reverse and 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 then snap a blurry shot that's not the kind of selfie we're talking about no no andre takes amazing selfies mm. where they look like they've hired the most amazing family photographer to take yes. their portraits. You don't see any evidence of the selfie. And yeah. in this episode, he also we, we talk about his uh, beautiful headshots that he does and he talks us through and walks us through. And also, if you go to the show notes at ginamilitia.com, uh, you will find uh, that uh, Andre has uh, kindly shared uh, links to all the gear that he talks about because he, I kept going, wait, how much is that? Yeah, can you, can you put a link to that? Thanks. Wait, I want one of those. He had so many great tips. So he talks about his lighting kit, a $300 budget lighting kit. So he lists everything that he uses. Also, he walks us through his lighting setup. He's got a fanta some fantastic tips for finding uh, beautiful backgrounds for headshots that are not going to clash. And then he walks us through uh, the posing and directing techniques that he uses. And same for how he does his selfies. I think this episode, guys, I want to make a prediction, is one that you'll want to listen to um, a few times because it's just chockers, chockers, that's an Aussie slang word. It's got <laughs> lots and lots, so it's packed, jam-packed with uh, lots of great information. So let's have a listen. Andre Valko, welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, Gina. Thank you. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yourself? I'm great. I'm very excited to chat to you. You've been a, a long-time member of the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook community, so I've been seeing your work for, for many years now, and it's beautiful, and uh, I love your selfies, and I love that there's a, a beautiful new addition uh, to the family, little Alex, who's 17 months old, and you're just telling me um, off air before that he's just started sleeping through the night. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. After 15 months, yeah, that's right. So how, how does it feel to be a new dad? How have you made that transition? It feels as if, um, as if it was another life, in a sense. <laughs> because everything that was prior to that now kind of fades. Um, it's a strange feeling. And um, the person's life as, um, as a parent, obviously you know this, uh, it changes to uh, the priorities shift. And um, it, it's all about the little one. Yeah. And everything I do, um, everything I improve on myself, it's not selfish at all because obviously all that will be passed on to the little one. So, so yeah, the mindset shift um, is, is huge. 
Fantastic. Now, you guys, you and your wife, and Andrea, you're based, uh, is, is it an hour out of London? Is that right? By train, um, because trains here are quite fast. Um, yeah. It's about two, two and a half hours by car. Right. Um, so it's um, it's in the UK, uh, the, the mid part is Midlands. Yep. In a little town called Grantham, uh-huh. which is not really known for its name, but more so for... Uh, the people that are associated with with the town, uh, for example, um, Isaac Newton, uh, very big name, Ooh. and um, he he was born in a village uh, nearby. He studied uh, in Grantham in this town until he was seventeen, and um, yes, yeah, so uh, there are statues of uh, Isaac Newton, and um, entire town is um, is about um, gravity, and we kind of joke about it because. Um, even though I come from Slovakia, which is a small country, like five and a half million people, which is wow. like half of London. Yeah. And yet there are so many Slovakians in Grantham really? that one wouldn't believe. Do you know so, yeah, do you guys joke, like, know each other? Do you have any relatives that have, that have come over as well or they're just all no, from all no. parts? No, and, and this is the kicker that I didn't even know my partner, my Andrea, until I came here. We you met, met here. The, that's fantastic. Yeah. I hear that all the time, that people meet the love of their life on the other side of the world, and yet they're from the same uh, town, but they meet on the other side of the world. And you, you know that's meant to be, and you can see that uh, you guys uh, make a beautiful couple, and uh, I love I love the images that you share together. When when did you realise that you, you wanted to become a photographer, Andre? Don't think I had the choice. <laughs> it's um, huh? I, th- th- this is a story that uh, many people have that they see their parents do something, and one way or another it impacts them. And photography is one of those things that uh, it it uh, it was in the back of my mind. Maybe I don't know. It must have been in the background because I saw my dad developing pictures and creating portraits and also documenting our family history. Uh-huh. And I didn't think much about it because we, we don't, as children, we kind of absorb everything. And um, yeah. then it's kind of uh, jumped away and um, it kind of keeps growing, possibly. And um, yeah, then it, it, I think it was the first camera I bought was when I came here in the UK and um, I just started taking pictures of everything like everyone else. And so so as, how as old do, were you when you, also, you moved to the UK? I was 23. Right. So you bought your first camera at 23, and that would have been, uh, was that a, a, a digital camera? Yes, that was a um, compact uh, Canon camera. All oh, right, the, with, the, ca- uh, the Ixus? One, one screen. <laughs> that was a PowerShot A. Oh, PowerShot, right, 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 yeah. Five, I think, or 67. Yeah. And it was like a two-megapixel camera. Yeah. Um, but the thing was that, I still created selfies with that and crazy photos like everyone else, I suppose. But the um, the premise was just to press the shutter button to set everything up and uh, have it on a timer and just run to the spot and do something. So you were there doing no... that way back then? Yes, but there was no not much crea- creativity no, I know. Uh, in there. And there was no other way to do selfies. Now, 
uh, people have been phones, obviously we can see that um, they are taking them from up close with the yeah. arms stretched. Yeah. So there is alternative. Back then there wasn't. Yeah. Did you know, this is a little known fact, that the term selfie is actually an Aussie slang term and it was uh, first used in like back in 2002 when an Aussie guy took a photo, he, he'd had a fight and he took a photo of his torn lip and um, because he was asking for advice, what should I do? Do I need stitches? And the, the, the term, I've taken a selfie, I've taken, because that's what Australians do. We shorten everything. And uh, that was his way of identifying that he took a photo of his, himself. And uh, so it's actually a, an Aussie slang term. So there you go. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it is. I was so excited when I read that because I did a bit of research and uh, I didn't know until today. So I'm like, yeah, look at us go. I can't believe I've never used it in Aussie slang word of the week. (laughs) That's fantastic. It's it's a great feeling to have a word that you can associate with uh, with your country. You've got Isaac Newton. We've got we've got the selfie. That's our greatest uh, contribution to the world. <laughs> and if and if we go, oh, and here in Grantham, Margaret Thatcher as well, oh, Prime wow. Minister, the Iron Lady. She was born here. Gee, that's a uh, like it produces uh, a lot of uh, very famous people, and uh, maybe and, and, you know you're you're next on the list for your uh, amazing selfies. Now, now before I get into uh, the art of these amazing selfies that you do. Tell us about um, the day that you really felt like a photographer. What was the shoot that you did when you think when you thought to yourself, "I've got this. I know what I'm doing." I would say that is the um, other photography passion of mine, and that would be the close-up photography yep. of people's faces. Because mm. um, I was. Obviously, as, as every person with a camera, uh, I was invited to events, to birthday parties. <laughs> and what what was drawing my attention was close-up of human face, children, adults, and the expression. I didn't know that at the time that this would, beca- this would become uh, something that um, I do professionally as as um, as a headshot photographer, because mm. obviously that that's a big part of headshot photography. But that was the time. That was the time where I knew that um, I need to capture it. it there is something to it because we have um, the connection between humans. I mean, the face. That that's it. That's um, that's the beacon. Yeah, and there's something like uh, when I look at your your beautiful headshots uh, up close. The thing that, like, first of all, if someone sent me a photo and said, who took this, I'd know it was yours. Your style is so distinctive. So that's fantastic. That's a great thing. You've got a very distinctive style, and that's not easy to develop. So um, kudos to you. And uh, it, it's it's that connection uh, with your sitter. Like, there is, if I look at every single portrait, there is someone home in the eyes. There is an expression behind the eyes. So how much time do you spend when you're taking your headshots, connecting with your with your models? This is the most important thing for me. I mean, the technical part, the light, that's a, that, that's a given uh, that needs to be there. But that's where my work starts. And you know this uh, very well yourself because uh, uh, your headshots are amazing. And oh, thank um you. And and the thing is that exactly like you said, there must be someone 
uh, a home. There must be a thought behind that expression, yeah. and we as people con connect with that. And um, it takes. It depends on a person, really. Sometimes yeah. it could it could be minutes, but most of the time, um, it's at least half an hour. Yeah, and, that, and with, people are going to be people, thinking that it, sounds like ages, you know. And I, I, I would I would hazard a guess that the average photographer uh, that doesn't listen to this podcast probably spends minutes, if not seconds, and and the only cue to the person is, okay, look at me. And that's it. That's the that's the posing and directing, and then they left leave the rest to chance. So you're saying half an hour. What are you doing in that half an hour to work with that person? I connect on a on a human uh, level um, as as with as with a friend. That that that's what I do. That's what I approach everyone I'm photographing. That uh, that person is my future friend mm. and a close one. Mm. And the conversation goes around either. Um, what they are interested in, or or about what we are doing um, in terms of taking picture and the direction. Um, every person is interested in in the process to some extent. Um, some of them are not, so we talk about something else. And it doesn't really matter what we talk about. It's about how we talk about it and how we connect. And if if you gain the trust of the person. They will give you the real expressions as if they were looking at a friend of theirs or best of friends. And that can be seen in, in a photograph. That's how other people connect with that person looking at their photograph. And I noticed so, uh, that, that in that, the images. Yeah, yeah. You see, they are they're looking at me like I'm a friend. That's what and so when someone looks at you warmly you're going to feel warmth towards them. It's like that experiment. If you smile at a stranger as you walk past them, even if they're scowling back at you, something happens inside their brain that, uh, that, 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 that makes them feel good because a stranger smiled at them. So it's just like when that's why headshots with good connection are so important because if I'm a stranger meeting you for the first time virtually via a photo, that expression is going to um, change how I feel about you. So if you're looking at me with warmth and love, of course I'm going to feel the same way back. So, you know, it makes so much sense that you invest that 30 minutes is probably the best investment you could make in a photo. Exactly, because um, just like you say, it's, um, it's the mirroring of the other person's um, uh, expression and um, what they're conveying. and. And it's so simple, yet under the radar, so that people, they kind of underestimate it. They don't pay attention to it. And that's why it's so powerful, because it goes straight into our subconscious, where it's not really analyzed. We, we get a feeling straight away. Hmm. And th th that 30 minutes, is that, do you have the person on set set up, ready to go, and you're doing the chatting then? Or do you actually deliberately spend a little bit of time before you set them up just chatting, just connecting with them? It very much depends on the situation mm. because um, if I go to their offices or if I used to have a studio at home, they came to me and we chatted prior to the shoot or prior to anything happening. Now, with a 
with our little baby uh, coming into play. I lost the um, <laughs> home studio. And I normally prefer to go to the offices or, and I, sh and I shoot a lot of actors and actresses. Yep. Um, I shoot outdoors for the uh, cinematic effect. Yes. It cannot really be done in studio, indoors. Mm. So I carry my studio outdoors. And that, that's a part of everything because they know that we are finding the location. We are setting up the uh, studio and we talk as, as, we, as we go, as, uh, as everything progresses and is built. And then they can see everything that's as a part of the process. I love that. And, and I think the other thing that um, stands out about your work is that I think you've taken the time to really think about lighting the people and it doesn't it's like while the style is distinctive it's like everything is up uh, up close you're not shooting everyone from the same side you're not um you know then they're not all the same locations although you do prefer the uh, shallow depth of field but i can see that you're working with people's um angles and and the way that you're lighting some people are lit um flat uh, and then other people you've added uh, a different lighting to give the face more modeling. How important is that knowing, like is now the shooting for you something that just comes intuitively? You, you, you are so dialed in with your settings, you know how your lighting works that you can spend more time and be more comfortable just chatting to people? Yes, that's right. Um, after time, you don't really think about settings. And if you have... Um the style of, of your work and the process dialed in, you don't change much apart from the angle of the light depending on the particular phase. Mm. And you can that gives you time to experiment with uh, the angles, exactly like you said, the angles, and more so the expression, because angles are very important to, and, and the light mold the face, and um, so it looks the most appealing way, but the expression that's the cherry on top because uh, there, there are so many muscles on our face and we can't control them consciously. Uh, to a certain extent, we can, but when we do, you, you can see you can see that the person tried something that it's not relaxed, it's not natural, and that bit that takes that time to relax, and it's often in between frames, as we like to speak as photographers. Yeah that those moments happen where the person relaxes and you can see the real them, but yeah. the real them in the best way possible because everything else has been worked on. The, um, the light, the background, the angles, all that was the uh, preparation for uh, the finale um, in a sense. Yeah, and, and when, you're, when you're setting up the shot and deciding how to light someone what are you what are you looking for? Why would you decide this person needs a hair light, this person needs to be shot with uh, you know more of a three quarter light and this person needs to be shot flat on? H how are you making that decision or again, is that something that has just become intuitive? You just know to some extent, this depends on the person's um, uh, sh shape, shape mm. of their face, of their head and their bone structure. So sometimes it takes experimentation, what works best for them. But um, after time, you can tell that's the type of face that needs 
such and such lighting. And I, with actors, I differ as well. So they have variety of moods and the light will accommodate that as well, as well as background. So yeah, after time, it just comes naturally. So you can see, um, for example, I had, uh, I had a client where uh, she had uh, one side of her face, a cheek, uh, much larger and more prominent than the other. And she was really conscious about it and she wanted to hide it. So she turned the way that the cheek was away from the camera. Mm. But as she smiled a little, well, she didn't even have to smile. It was, you know, that edge. It was just there. And there was mm. no way around it apart mm. from Photoshop um, if she was turned that way. Mm. What we did, she turned, I made her to turn the other way. <laughs> so the cheek was facing the camera and she was really conscious about it. Yeah. But when I showed her the picture where the light was from, uh, the other side where the shadow fell on the cheek. So it was hiding it. Yeah. And she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it because she had the uh, uh, the slimmer cheek to the side where you could see the edge that was lit. The other cheek was facing the camera, but in the shadow. And one couldn't see it almost at all. Couldn't believe it. That's fantastic. How, also, how often do you use the, the LCD? How often are you showing the client the image? If you've got a nervous client in front of you, who you because you, you've got to develop that trust and there are people that just trust you from day one. Uh, the minute you they step on set, they just say like they're with you, but there are other people that are, are really doubtful because they maybe have had a bad experience with other photographers. So you've got to gain that trust. Do you use the LCD to to get that trust from them? And, and how quickly are you showing them the images? That's very true. Yeah, different people trust you in a, in a different uh, manner and um, different timeline as well. Mm. And um, for some, this is crucial. It's crucial for them to see that they look good. That what we do looks good because uh, with headshots, the posing may feel strange because camera at that distance uh, focused that closely on one's shoulders and head. Uh, the um, posing, it feels strange. It really does. And, and the person may think, oh, my God, what am I doing here? Yeah. Uh, it must look terrible. And it, and, it, and it would if we were to shoot entire body. Yeah. But once they see the result, they relax immediately. If And I don't show them first 50 pictures, maybe, sometimes even more, un, until I have one that is close to my standard, that I know that they uh, are most likely uh, to, to love. Then they, I show them, so the expression is there, but also the posing, what the posing does. And once they are relaxed knowing, and trust in me that what I'm saying and making them do, even though it feels strange, sometimes it's ridiculous, uh, even in terms of uh, working on expression and things I say, because it's all about work, working on um, on a subconscious, you know, yeah. around, not, not directly. Sometimes it's direct, but more often than not, it's indirect direction. Yeah. And, uh, and once they understand this, that's a complete change, but we are not used to this. That's why it may take considerable amount of time for a person who thinks that it will be over in in a minute. And um, yeah, and, and I think it's more about our standards that we spend more time because we know that what's important is 
not just technology and pressing the button. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And what's interesting about the images that you take? So I love that you're waiting maybe fifty frames. Some people you can get them in the first few frames and it's just great and you can show them the image. And but that some people it takes a while to get the warmth in the eyes and the right angle. And then when you show them, you've sold them and you've got them there. You can see there's a, there's just like this physical, it's like a switch where it's like, okay, I have your trust now. Others, it takes some work. What I know about you, Andre, is I think as a photographer, you also are very comfortable in front of the camera. And so are you... Confident, and I think that also makes a very good photographer. If you know your own angles and how to pose yourself, I think you're going to be a better photographer and be able to pose and direct your models because you can speak from experience. How important is that in in in, in terms of how you uh, set up your shots and, and and direct and pose your your models? Exactly, you're very you're really right uh, about this because um, all, all the um headshot work with expression and posing, all that translates to me knowing this and feeling this, because if I don't know how it feels, I can't communicate this to other people. So it's um, it's very important for me to know this, and that translates to selfies uh, as much as anything else, because uh, the expression, the posing, all that I need to know to tell the other people to mirror and when I take selfies now it's up to me now the spotlight is on me and I, mm-hmm. I need to know this and it translates um, seamlessly all right I want to do a deep dive on the selfies but just before that I, I think there'll be a lot of listeners who who would um, be uh, really annoyed if I miss the opportunity to ask you how you actually light um, and expose for your images. So you've got a very shallow depth of field and it, it, the, the lighting is so uh, soft and beautiful. The transition of, um, you know, shadow to highlight is just lovely. So they, they, there's this, they look so natural and beautiful. What, what are you using? What's your go-to lens of choice for your headshots and what sort of lighting gear are you using mostly? Right. Uh, you say that um, there is a very shallow depth of field. Now, uh, what I found, it's... It, well, the background, sorry, sh- you've got the background yeah, yeah. very far away, but uh, uh, you're not losing focus. Like, I can see that the uh, the nose is sharp, the eyes are sharp, and the ears are sharp, and then you. Ch- I think you're choosing your backgrounds carefully. So let me rephrase that. It's not, but, but it's the way you light and uh, compose your images. So obviously you're finding back, just walk us through how you're finding your backgrounds and what's important to create the, uh, the Andre look. <laughs> You've uh, got a look. Yeah, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I, I was just about to um, say almost the same thing that you just um, expanded on. Exactly, it, uh, the, the depth of field is shallow, but it's not as shallow as uh, one might think. Yeah. Uh, because what I found is that in terms of the background, how it blurs, because uh, I, I shoot on a crop sensor, it's yep. um, APS-C sensor, it's, um, it's not full frame. So even though I have 1.8 aperture on my 85 millimeter lens, um, in terms of full frame, that would translate to uh, 2.8 maybe. Yep, yep. 
So, because um, I need to be further away, that's mm. why the background will not be as, and the entire depth of field is not going to be as shallow. Right. But the trick is that even with a 1.2 lens, if there is too much contrast in the background, it's not going to look as blurry yeah. as when you have colors that are closer to another. Yeah. Or if there is a consistent kind of a pattern, because sometimes background looks awesome if even if there is a contrast, but you have that contrast consistently. Like if there is um, sunlight sun through trees, through yeah, the leaves. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And when you get that, you get that uh, uh, blurred balls of light. And if they are everywhere, that looks much more pleasing as if you had some like a sharp change in um, urban surrounding where you have a, a window or or edge where white meets dark or black. And that edge will be even, you can blur it as much as you want. It's not going to look as pleasing as if you have entire background consistent. It's jagged, and it's just like uh, where you the, like that the the green, beautiful greens and yellows and and darker colors. If you tried that same location, say the trees lost their leaves, and you went back there in winter, and you just had the the trees without leaves, and even the light coming through, what you get is this kind of it's a jagged looking bokeh. It looks, it's jarring actually, in, in fact, when you look at that as a background and the, suddenly the background is taking all the attention away from your model. So what you've created are these lovely, it's nothing, but it's something and your background supports your model. It brings your model forward. It makes your model the hero of the shot and it's so important and it's such a huge difference when you've got that beautiful outdoor background that cinematic look and when you compare it to say a um a studio look where it's just one block color it can be very uh clinical that kind of background you know in comparison to that that beautiful bokeh so back to where back to uh the setup how far back is your background from your model what sort of uh you know in meters or feet like what do you what are you looking for universal sort of colors so colors that are close to each other what else now uh the uh, the distance mm. again it depends on those colors but normally um i look for 10 meters at least 10 if meters. i can yep do this sometimes it may be 30 40 i i shot people in a parking lot where um there there was a very nice background in terms of trees and it looked natural and there was a shadow at the very beginning of the car park so it would look weird if it was shot by wide angle lens uh, but with the telephoto uh, all i could see was the beautiful background which was lit by sun so uh, yeah and so, sometimes the background is quite close uh it could like i said 10, 10 meters, sometimes even five will be enough. So 10 meters is 32 feet for those uh, playing in the old school and five meters, because I'm making this up straight out of my head, of course, uh, <laughs> is uh, 16 feet, according to my, yeah. So that that's a fair way. Uh, and yeah, so I think once you get that into your head now, you you, you can almost size up a background and know that it's going to work or if it's not going to work in terms of that distance because you're shooting with the 85, is that right? 
That's correct. And eighty-five, and you're quite clo- you're pretty close to your subject. How far from your subject would you be to get head and shoulders on the eighty-five? On the crop sensor, that's equivalent to one hundred and twenty-seven millimeters on full frame. Mm. So it's not as close um, as on the full frame. So I'm I'm around two and a half, three meters away. Yeah, right. So it's still still a still a distance, but and then you've got that lovely. And then are you are you around f five point six as an an aperture? One point eight. Oh, are you shooting at one point eight? That's because you're back, <laughs> and that's how you're getting the lovely, um, the sharp. Because because I'm, but because I'm further away, it would equal to around two point eight. Yep. Uh, aperture in terms of the depth of field on a full frame. Right. So for the listeners, this is something that you can experiment with, but it's like a really great idea to go walk around your neighborhood and find uh, areas like this where you've got um, a beautiful backdrop that you can bring your model in. And uh, are you, when you're positioning your model against this backdrop, are you using, um, uh, are you placing them in the shade or are you making sure that the, the, the flash is completely overriding any sun or are you doing anything to make them feel a little bit more comfortable so that there's not light shining in their eyes? What, what are you doing there? That's a very good point, Gina, uh, because in terms of the background, what also is important is the overall exposure. So you can, um, and I shoot all in manual uh, with flash, uh, you can dial in the background in terms of how bright it is. Mm. So if, um, and this is a good practice for everyone who wants to know the backgrounds a bit more, is not just to walk around um, and look at the background or possibly photograph them uh, with a manual focus and un- unfocus it so you can see how blur- blur- blurred it will be. Yeah. Um, what the great practice is also to change the exposure so to make it darker or brighter. So and, and that changes the background as well. So one can change the mood without even moving. Exactly. You can make it a bright, airy or dark. You can completely eliminate the background just by changing the shutter speed uh, as well. And if you have added light, um, as I do with uh, with a softbox, then you have two different exposures. So mm. you, have a, you have a leeway there where you can make it darker and brighter um, and then dial in your added light as you see fit. Now, in terms of the added light, um, I use um, an Octabox uh, 37 inch, around 90 centimeters, and um, and underneath I put um, uh, the reflector, yep. about 30 inch re- reflector. Yep. So it's it's a it's a really compact setup. Yeah. And one light, one light stand. Have you got a um, a weight on the light stand so that it doesn't uh, blow over? I do. I, yeah. do. I, I, I learned the hard way. Um, <laughs> Everyone <or>, has. <laughs> and then I add um, a second light, um, which is um, the hair light or, yep. or the side light, uh, depending on how, how I want to work it. And this is, this is just a 16-inch round uh, softbox. Oh, that's just reflected uh, back. Well, 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 it's it's um it's active. Oh, sorry, light. softbox, there, sixteen inches, small softbox, and you've got is it yeah, two? Is right. it speed lights that you're using? 
Yes, I, I use uh, speed lights, the uh, young newer ones. Perfect. And they, they, they've been reliable so far. They're I mean, uh, I, I couldn't believe for the price I and know. what they're capable of. You can lose, um, you can I, buy two, uh, buy four, and you're still uh, spending half the money you would if you. Now, the caveat to that is I always say if you are going to be out and you're shooting, you're, you're making a living shooting events um, and you're, you need something that fires every single time, heavy duty, you're doing thousands and thousands of fires, I don't recommend something like a young newer I would invest in uh, a, a, a name brand but for for headshots where it might be you know 50 frames 100 frames have one but also have a spare just in case and you can't go wrong they they're, they're great 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 lights exactly like just like you said if you can have time change the light as you, as you have with headshots, because uh, you can slow down if you need to. And for for price of a branded a flash gun, you, you can buy three or four young neurons, so you can have backup. And um, so you can change the light. Obviously, if you have an event, a wedding, you need something that's truly 100% reliable or 99%. So you've got you've got an entire kit. Sorry, Andre, you've got an entire lighting kit there. So two light stands, one one large softbox, one small softbox, and the two speed lights with the reflector. I would say you probably around the three hundred dollar mark, three fifty four hundred, something like that. Pounds, two hundred um, pounds. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it is it is really affordable setup. Very uh, affordable. With the, uh, it's it's three uh, light stands. In oh, fact, three. Because, sorry, um, yeah. For for the, for the uh, reflector, many people make their models and um, well, their their sitters to hold the reflector. Right. And I found that um, that's not really practical because we know that light. Uh, reflects in a certain way. Yeah. And if you need that angle, you need that angle and that angle only. And if it, you make the person move, they don't think about holding reflector in the same way no. or compensate for their movement. So that changes things. So yeah, I I use that fixed on another light stand. It's, so with it's the light another stand, one in the mix. Yep. So that light stand, have you got a uh, another little boom arm that holds the reflector in place at exactly the right angle, or do you just kind of place it there? Yeah, yeah, a li little boom arm. Little boom yeah, arm. It yeah. Does, it doesn't need to be weighed or anything because no. obviously it's very uh, very light, so there there's no counterweight to it. As well as um, for a re reflector stand, I don't use sandbags uh, either because no. it's close enough. Uh, to the person so if it's windy they can still hold it by by the edge and um, and it would really have to be windy because otherwise it's at such angle that wind just um, it kind of ignores it it's not like a sail uh, like like the softbox is that and, one is um yeah they, at they, a different they, angle and yeah, that exactly. catches light that uh, and back to the um the location for the model to stand are you trying to put them in shade or um 
Are you backlighting them with the sun? How are you doing that? Because that, that, I think that is an important part of the experience. The model's not going to understand that you're going to override the sun. And so I find that if I've ever put someone in the sun and told them, don't worry, I'll take care of this with the light, they're, they're often they're squinting or if they're, uh, you know, most people know you're not going to look great in full sun, so it's going to cause shadows. So, so they don't trust me at the start. So I find that putting them into soft lighting to start with uh, really helps get that trust. Do you do that or are you creating shade? How, how are you working around that? What I do is, um, yeah, just like you said, in, into the shadow. That's, mm. and, 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 I'm, and I'm really for the soft light on the face mm. uh, with the caveat that there needs to be some shaping. Uh, so it's not uh, as soft as I can make it. it, it there needs to be some direction and shadowing. Um, it, it's a balancing act. As with the, uh, the background, the light on the face, it needs to be... Um, soft as well as creating shadows so um uh, for me overall setting where i set up is in the shadow because then i have a more uh more, more of a control over the background how mm -hmm. i can dial it up or down in terms of brightness and then i compensate with uh with added light and if we are in shadows then I don't have to worry about overpowering uh, the sun because if I do, then I'm losing control over the background. Yeah. Or the variety. Um, I, I can't vary it because I need to shoot one way and that's it. All right. So with your large softbox, is that on a boom? And how far is that from your model? Uh, this one is directly on a stand. Mm -hmm. It's not on a boom. Uh, it's... I would say um, one and a half, two meters away. Right. And it's a, nearly a one meter um, uh, softbox. So it's quite large. So that's why you get those lovely, beautiful, soft shadows. Large softbox. That's the secret. Yeah. And, and it's quite close. And it, yep. what's really important is how you feather it as well. Yeah. If, if you aim it directly, then the distance. Uh, because that changes uh, the way the light hits the face yeah. as well. And that very much depends on um, um, the angle and the distance on on the face, uh, the skin, the, um, the way I need to um, shape it. So uh, Yeah, the feathering with that, like, because uh, I've got a couple of um, one-metre square softboxes, and I use those uh, in a lot of uh, my portrait shoots if I want to give the look of natural window light. And just by feathering, it's absolutely beautiful and suddenly you get this transition, um, beautiful, and you can almost, you can't tell it was lit. And that's, I think that's the, the secret. You wanted to sculpt the face, but you don't want the telltale signs like the hard nose shadow or you know things like that when you've got a smaller, um, harder light source. So I think that's uh, beautiful and, and I love how you, you work with your models and, and light them. That's excellent, which is going to take us into uh, the next thing that you do, which is fantastic, which is the selfies. And what I love about these, Andre, is um, 
Obviously, you started with yourself, and uh, I think then when you met uh, your beautiful partner, Andrea, suddenly she starts appearing in the photos, and there's the two of you. Now, did you start doing selfies together when you um, started traveling together? How, how did that come about? Yes, um, that's right. We uh, we stepped it up when we um, traveled uh, yeah. to trips and holidays, and yeah. um, obviously uh, we all know that um, uh, we can't have a professional photographer um, at our side all the time, and we wouldn't even want to. Yeah, <laughs> at some but point. it looks like you do. Um, you look like you've been followed around the world by a professional photographer, and it's so. Uh, the, the most annoying thing that can happen is like you're in a great location and you hand your camera over to a stranger, and they always. <laughs> Like I, I, I do it sometimes. I'm like, okay, we're all together. Let's get a photo. I'll ask this person and I'll give them so many instructions. I'm like, okay, this is how I want you to crop. Not, not this, this. And then, and then they take it whatever way they want to. And then you've got to wait for another stranger to walk past. So you've, you've completely solved that, that, that dilemma by do it yourself. So, so. And, and the thing is that with, with strangers, um, it's not only the um, the technical, because obviously uh, we we want certain framing exactly mm. like you said. It's also who is taking the picture, because mm. you're looking at the camera. But yeah, yes, but there is a person behind the camera who doesn't want to be and, there uh, taking the photo, who doesn't care, that, <laughs> who doesn't even impact, like you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that impact how you look in the photo. It does. And, you're absolutely and, right. And, com and coming from the uh, from the uh, headshot and close-up uh, world of photography where expression is everything that matters in in a different framing even if you're further away from camera even if uh, the face is not as prominent in the frame still it's very much matters and you can see that on the photos that uh, the people look kind of st and we did as well we looked <laughs> stiff we looked as if as a, as a tourist as a holiday couple it wasn't uh, natural so this kind of solves the two at the same time. You don't need to take anyone's time and you have uh, much more time. Uh, you can try different takes, different angles without feeling that you're annoying someone or taking someone's time. And again, that plays up with your mind and that reflects on the, uh, on the photograph and, and your expression. They're just spectacular, the selfies that you do, and you really spend a lot of time thinking about that. So, you know, you obviously you do you you use the similar technique to your um your headshot photos. Often your your selfies uh, they have uh, like a lot of space in the background, and uh, and then you've obviously you're working. You're worried about. Um, uh, passes by so you're looking for your stage that you want to set people up on so just walk us through now from start to finish uh, a typical selfie so I know that you've uh, introduced baby as well into the family selfies which is again like you know people with families how, how often do you see photos where it's either you know there's always someone missing out of the family because they're the one taking the photo so here's a way that you can have these family photos where every member is included. Um, walk us through the step-by-step -step to, to getting these uh, amazing-looking selfies that you do. Right, right. That's, um, that's exact, exactly the thing, that uh, there is always someone missing. If, if a dad is taking a picture or a mom, yeah. they, and, and that's a big shame. 
and uh, this way uh, everyone can be in the photograph exactly so my process um starts as as any photo any photographer takes pictures of someone else's family right so the difference is that you leave the camera on the spot and you join the frame right so if as with any uh, setting as with any scene um we need to find a place that's that's that can look good in a photograph and the light the combination of the two obviously that's a winning combination as we know and normally uh, the easiest thing is natural light mm. in, a, in again in the shade where the background again the colors are close to another um and um and there is no one around that that's also was <laughs> Uh, was quite handy and outdoors as you have space uh, to back out to uh, i also use my 85 millimeter lens right so it's quite far from us could be 10 15 meters sometimes depending yeah. on the frame or or if we stand or if we kneel uh, or lie down so that eliminates um the wide angle so it doesn't really matter if there is someone right next to us they're not going to be in the frame right so in terms of the um frame and how we want to look this uh, this is where the uh pre-visualization comes in uh -huh. and again as photographers we we do this if we photograph someone else that's a given with a selfie, exactly the same thing, with the difference, we join the scene. Now, with this type of photography, as because this is kind of funny because uh, these days technology goes the way where you can see the picture even before you take it. Uh, smartphones, yeah. mirrorless cameras, uh, and if we go back. Um, to the past then obviously we have standard dslrs where you can see the picture the picture and exposure after you take it yeah and then on film you can't even see it until it comes from the lab the difference is you can always see what you what you're taking pictures of in terms of the framing yeah with a selfie you can set it up you can see the frame as it will be but when you join the frame you're not next to the camera you can't even see the frame right let, al let alone the picture when you take it. Yeah. So you're kind of working half blind. So the way uh, you, you you need to think about again the the you need to allow for the movement sideways. There needs to be a bit more space there. Yeah. As well as uh, the depth of field in case you move backwards and forwards. If if it's just adults and the, the scene is not as dynamic, then you can have a shallower depth of field. But if you have children in the, in the frame moving around, then you need to allow for a deeper depth of field. Right. So, and then it's, it's about posing and the ideas um, that you can, you can either come in with something already in your mind or you can experiment with uh, with different things and uh, uh, something you you've seen, something you've tried before, and the combination. 
this also will be influenced to some extent by the season or holidays or the event opportunity that you have to take the picture. So that will give you some ideas as well. All right. So if it's Christmas, you might have a Christmas theme, you know, or you did. Uh, I noticed that one of the when your uh, partner was pregnant, uh, there's a great one that you did where um, you cloned yourself four times in the image and you were fighting. <laughs> for your partner right. and that was really fun so you do a lot of fun things like that where obviously um goes without say that the camera is on a good sturdy tripod what tripod do you prefer to work with i started with a very fiddly one and mm. that's where we went uh, for our holiday to thailand yep. and um i mean it, it did the job but then one needs to some one needs something Sturdy, yes, but what's very important is that it's it's compact, it's mobile. Because yeah. if you go somewhere, if you go for a trip, or if you like like we did with that um, selfie where I was fighting with myself, yeah, uh, that was near National Museum in Oxford, right? And you don't go. That's the thing that we went there to uh, to see the museum. Yeah, this kind of uh, came to my mind that there was a nice setting. There was a great light with a very bright ground, so yeah. it reflected back, and it, there was a sidelight from the sun, so we were separated from the background as if we were in a studio, standing <laughs> yeah, on a large yeah. softbox. And the background was a dark building where it, it was really a part of a parking space. Right. And every and everyone was in front of us, meaning behind uh, the camera. Right. So, so they were in front of the uh, museum building itself. This was a a wing of uh -huh. the museum where there was no one near us, but everyone could see us. So that that was kind of uh, fun, um, and it makes it a bit more fun as well. You got you know, these people uh, giving look, you strange looks. Does that ever worry you, or you just got to not care about that stuff? Uh, sometimes it's it's fun. Some people smile, but yeah. if you are in a creative process, as we were with that particular picture, I didn't even think about yeah, them. It's like if you are on <laughs> on stage and um, yeah. and and you perform like uh, you don't you don't even see the people. You don't. Yeah, you you're in the process. You're in the zone, and uh -huh. and, and this is a big part of the the selfies um, like this that that I would suggest people to. Go for it. Go crazy. Go go happy. Go cool. Um, and, and and don't care about you know people looking. Don't care about how it's going to look in the camera because you're going to have multiple frames. It's not just one frame and that's it. Uh, you're going to take ten frames or twenty frames before you go for uh, another set maybe. And maybe that first ten will be enough. It doesn't have to take too long. Those selfies, sometimes it's like five minutes. Um, and especially if you work with uh, children, they're not going to give you much more time. So it's about preparation and the way you see it before you take the picture. Right. So with that shot where you've got um, your – so Andrea's in the middle and she's kind of got her arms crossed and uh, she's uh, – there, you would set that up around her. So you'd make sure that you've, you've, you've pre-visualized the image. You're going to go, okay, I'm going to make do a photo of four of me fighting for Andrea. And so you focus 
on her eyes and that's how you set up your image and then you you're jumping in and you're taking the first frame and then would you are you using um visual markers on the ground or you know dropping a leaf here to go okay this is where I need to stand for the first image this is where I need to be for the second image and this is where I need to be for the third and fourth are you doing any of that what I do uh, the, the start is exactly like you described um, I said uh, in this case it was uh, my Andrea um, I, I set her there I pre-focused um, I locked everything off, so, uh, so lock off, move, turn the off the auto. Was, yep, yep. Exactly. So it was all locked in and uh, pre-focused. In terms of where I stand, I don't do any marks, um, and this this is where um, it, it may be harder for some people, maybe easier uh, uh, for some. It's knowing where I'm standing. Yep. And where I'm going to be standing next. So there could be an overlap. Sometimes it works, um, but I try not to overlap um, myself if I'm yep. doing the composite and cloning. Um, but the thing is that with that picture, for example, if you look at the shadows on the ground, they do overlap. There is no way around it. So yeah. th that's not much of a concern. No. Um, the main concern is that if I'm on the same plane, knowing that I'm going to be shooting with a shallow depth of field, I want everything to be on the same plane. Um, I must not go into the space of uh, the previous uh, right. pose. Yeah. Yep. So um, that and that saves time again because um, I don't need to do marks on on the ground. Yep. Or or anything like that. Uh, and then obviously I would have to remove them in Photoshop. Yes, of course. Um, another time uh, extra spend. Um, uh, so yeah, that's. Um, that's how you do it. And, and so, in same. terms of triggers, what 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 are you using to trigger the camera? Uh, I was considering different triggers, but what I ended up was um, ended up with was uh, a young new again. Uh huh. Uh, a third a third party uh, wireless trigger yep. where um, the simplest one I I could find, and it was like a twenty a twenty pound British pounds, 20 pounds. Uh, wow. purchase, uh, which is um, two. And those are not just triggers; those are trans receivers where they um, uh, transmit signal and receive at the same time. So they're interchangeable. Wow! Uh, one sits on the top of uh, the camera hot shoe uh, with a cable into the camera, so yeah. it can communicate properly. Because obviously it's a third party; it can't communicate through the hot shoe 100. Yeah. percent So it needs something additional from the camera. Um, and the other one you hold in your hand and um, the beauty of this is it may be more cumbersome as um, as those infrared ones or wireless ones where you have adapter and you can uh, work with it from your smartphone. The smartphone ones is, don't well, work, Andre. Have you had issues with the, the smartphone apps? We've all, in, and in the Gold community, it's one of the common complaints, and I've noticed as well that it turns itself off constantly. I was, I, I was just about to uh, follow this up with uh, that it's less cumbersome in terms of the physical setup. That's exactly. what I meant. So <laughs> Sorry, 20 Gina. pounds, but, but, 20 pounds, but in terms yeah. of, But in terms of the how reliable it is, it's like 100%. The, the Yongnuo is. Nine, uh, yes, not Yongnuo. Because exactly with the wireless setup and smartphones, 
it's less cumbersome in terms of uh, being physically smaller, yeah. but it drops the signal. Uh, the the wireless uh, network it it drops, it cancels out, and and, and it's a nightmare with the uh, infrared. It needs um, uh, direct needs line to of see sight. The yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. With this young new system, even though there is additional wire, you, you don't really um, <laughs> care because it's reliable. Like almost 100% of time, you can have that behind someone's back uh, 10, 15 meters away and it will fire because it's, uh, its range is officially like 100 meters. So if you're closer than 100 meters, uh, you fire through the wall. That's amazing. So that's I'm getting one. I'm going to get a link off you for the actual model that you use, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. The only thing I would say that the advantage of when they work, the smartphone apps give you that second monitor so you can actually um, line up the shot and see what you're doing, and that's the only thing. And, and, and if that's something that, like, you, if you're thinking of doing this, on a regular basis and you want to go a bit more high end with the um, selfies, then something like uh, I've got a Cam Ranger and I can hook that up to a smartphone or even a um, an iPad and it, it gives me um, the ability to take photos and see exactly what I'm doing. That's the only downside of the trigger, but I think for £20, a, a worthwhile investment as a, even at, to have it as uh, when the, the camera the the phone app is not working you can just go revert to the trigger as well because there's some places where the phone app just works non-stop and then there's other times when it's a little bit inconsistent as well yeah it's, it's a big advantage to have something that you yeah, can see nice straight see. away yeah. in, in your in your spot um what i would say is that um if you have if you allow for a bit of an extra uh, space around then you're kind of safe in this respect, being not off the frame. And yeah. once you're taking the pictures, and this is very important because uh, it's, it's multiple, and it's best to get um, in a flow, so to speak, where you're more relaxed, you're, you're, you're trying different positions, uh, you interact with each other, especially with children. Yeah. And there is no way you can have a phone in your hand, you know, checking all that in the real time. So... Um, in 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 that respect, I think those triggers have um, you know the wireless ones without saying uh, they kind of have, have advantage because you're not uh, not distracted. You don't tend to check yeah. any, anything. You you just you just go. You you know the frame is set. You know we have a bit of a room uh, to work with, and uh, the best frames happen then. And another advantage is that even though you need to go to the camera to check what what you captured. Um, what I use uh, for the screens, especially outdoors where there is sun, we all know that with the LCDs, if there is sun, you, you can sometimes you can hardly see on the screen what's there, yeah. uh, whether it's smartphone or DSLR or mirrorless. With mirrorless, you can see in the, in the viewfinder, yeah. that's, um, that's different. But with DSLRs or smartphones, you can't really see uh, clearly unless you're in the shade. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the composition, focus, uh, posing, and everything, uh, what I use on camera is um, a little loop, a little yeah. viewfinder. Yeah. It's like a three-pound accessory yep. where it gives you much 
much bigger. Well, when you look look through it, because the LCD screens on DSLRs are higher resolution, mm. it zooms in, so you can see it clearly as if you were yep. uh, in your office in the dark looking at the large screen. So you can find so, one. You found one of those for three pounds. We'll put that in a link in the show notes because the ones I've looked at are a bit more expensive. So if they exist, then th this is a must-have for anyone who's working outside because it's like you can judge your exposure a lot better. You can also check for sharpness. And um, also for beginners, please, please, please do take the time to stop the shoot Tell everyone to wait while you check focus. This is the biggest, I think, rookie mistake that a lot of new photographers make is they will not stop a shoot to check exposure or to check uh, focus because they think it makes them look incompetent. But who's going to look the most incompetent when you uh, do the shoot and then tell the client the next day that you didn't get any sharp? You know, all professionals when they're shooting will slow the shoot down and say to the client, I'm just checking exposure and I'm just checking to see if my images are sharp. It's not, um, it's not anything to to feel that it makes you look unprofessional. It, it it's quite the opposite. It makes you look more professional. So sorry, uh, that is a great no. little tip there with the loop. Um, we'll put that. We'll also get a people, link for that. Many people even appreciate that that you're checking this because it means that you, that you do care. You people care. know that that. The pictures can end up blurry. They know from smartphones where they take pictures in a dark environment of moving subjects, and and it's blurry. So they do know that these things can happen. And um, if you check, then obviously it depends on the um, uh, how often you check. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Long. Not every frame, uh, but it's like you know those exactly. first five frames. You're going okay. I'm just checking. Like, hang on, I'm just going to move the light slightly. Every day, it's going to be slightly different. So, and and as you said, and we see in your uh, headshots, it isn't one size fits all. And if you're a, doing a one size fits all to your portraits, and you say the same thing to every person, and you light the same way, and you have the person facing in the same direction, then that's just cookie cutter photography, and there's no. There's no authenticity in that. That's just like, you know, bulk, mass-produced lacks uh, a lot. So I think what you do is uh, really important. And I think, you know, that idea that you're spending up to half an hour posing and directing your model, that makes my heart sing when I hear a photographer tell me that because I think that's very important in terms of the um, selfies, because we've gone a little bit over time, but this is all amazing information, so I'm happy to keep going. Um, what is there anything that I've uh, you, you've uh, forgotten? Anything that you use or that you can add to to what you've told us so far? Well, I would say that um, uh, with the um, selfies, and it doesn't have to be composites only yeah um i would suggest to sh shoot one frame where there is no one in the scene yeah that's and handy this help exactly this helps because obviously we know that we can uh get that shot and especially if you are in the flow of posing interacting with each other yeah or looking at the camera in different ways if you have multiple people uh, even two or three it doesn't have to be too many but still two of them could look Perfect. Our majority could look perfect, and one uh, just a little off 
or a lot of <laughs> or blinking mm. so if you have uh, other frames you can swap heads or even yeah. half of the body if, if you need to and with the frame where there is no one in there so you have only the background and surroundings uh, you can change that uh, much easier that's a fantastic habit that I think everyone needs to get into. The, I call it a clean plate, just a background without any people. But, but it's like every shoot that you do, you should follow a protocol and be so that you can be consistent every time you do a photo shoot. So this is how I set up my light. I take an exposure for the background, balance the background, add the model, add the light, and then do the shoot and then the last frame it's just like okay you don't change anything on the camera and you get your model to step out of the frame and you take a clean plate and uh that and when you're doing group shots as well so so handy and it just gives you so many more options and you don't always need it but it's it it takes three seconds to do it's so worth doing that's that's a, a really good tip there in fact all the tips that you've given us today uh, have been fantastic, Andre, and I've loved chatting with you. And I really thank you because it's like, what time did you have to get up to do this interview? I'm so grateful to you because it's very, very early there, isn't it? It, 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 it is. Uh, I I got up at um, four a.m. Yeah, but um, thank you. But so the thing much. is that that's not the problem. I mean, that, well, I'm honored to uh, to be here on the other side. It's um, I was uh, listening to to your podcast since. Uh, I think it was around 2015. Wow, around from our, the start. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was very first episode. I think I backtracked there a little bit because you were at episode 10 by then. Oh wow! Um, but uh, but I went from the first episode uh, when we moved into the house that uh, we are uh, in till now. Wow. We were actually painting at the time, and uh, you were in my ears all all that time. There just, you go. Uh, obviously. Painting for me is quite boring thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Just paint, uh, but but having you in my ears and you know um, your conversations with uh, Valerie and, um, and and jokes and laughter and obviously the knowledge that you share. Um, yes, some of the things that I'm talking about here um, are inspired by by you, obviously. Um, oh, that's amazing! Uh, like for example, this very last tip with the uh, empty scene. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. You talk about this uh, quite often, and um, yeah, it, it's an uh, inspiration. So not a problem. And obviously. Oh, that's uh, made my day. Without, hearing without... that, that's fantastic. Like, you just, like, and this is what you know. Just paying and applying those techniques and really working at that. Um, that that's this is the kind of uh, level you can get at, um, Andre. So congratulations on a fantastic body of work. Uh, where can so we've got all your links for your Instagram, Facebook, website, and Twitter. I'll um, link to all of those in the show notes. So make sure if you're listening that you stop by and uh, follow Andre and uh, follow his work because it's absolutely beautiful. You're a regular um, uh, poster in the uh, So You Want to Be a, a Photographer Facebook community so uh, people can also connect with you uh, there. And I just wish you uh, continued success uh, to you and uh, Alex and Andrea and uh, all the best. And uh, I look forward to having the opportunity to uh, interview you again at some stage down the track. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Gina. It's, it's been a pleasure talking with you. All right, that was Andre Valco. 
headshot and selfie tips, but these are selfies, next level kind of Mm. selfies. And I actually think, Andre, and we'll put some images in the show notes, which of course you can find at GinaMalisha.com. And I don't know, but I have been re-watching because it is such a great series. I have been re-watching Line of Duty and I think Andre looks a little bit like the lead in Line of Duty. So there you go. There you go. Well, you should, who so who is that, Val? Uh, a guy called Martin Comston, but you oh, know, right. you just have have a look. He's a young guy who plays the the lead, like plays the young cop. Um, if you would like to check out Andre's work, then have a look at his website, captivatingheadshots.com. That's a great URL, captivatingheadshots.com. Yes. Or check him out on Instagram. His handle is selfie two So it's <laughs> selfie the number two point and the digit zero. Fantastic. Hey, Selfie yeah. 2.0. So thank you so much to Andre for sharing his insights this week. Now, Gina, what's happening with you in the coming week? What is happening? I have no idea, Val. Just more <laughs> of the same. Um, oh, you know what? You know what I've been what? doing? I miss travel so much. I know this yeah. is uh, such a first world problem, but I really miss visiting countries. And so I was so homesick for Sicily yesterday that I got and this I actually encourage everyone to do this if you're missing a place and it might be where you went for your summer holidays when you were a kid or you know where your family home is it doesn't need to be on the other side of the world or maybe there's been a place that you've holidayed that you've loved like Valerie you could go to Hawaii do this it I was thoroughly entertained for about an hour doing this and I even got a friend on board who loved it too but basically google maps so so what I did is I um you enter the address of a place that you love and put it into uh maps you put it into google and then you hit maps and you'll get uh an aerial view of the area so you'll see the roads and everything right and then you click on the little yellow man in the corner Okay. drag it over the map and drop it uh, onto the road that you want to have a look at and it gives you the ground level view and then you can go walking around. Cool. So yesterday I went to my family village in Sicily because ah. I was so homesick and I walked from my auntie's house. This is on Google Maps, but the because... Um, technology has gotten so much better the graphics the photos are just beautiful and it's i think google updates their maps every couple of years so it's it's really recent but i walked from my auntie's house and i know exactly how to get to the piazza so i walked through the little laneways and i'm like oh there's my other cousin and i'm looking because there's (laughs) often google catches people as the the camera goes past i'm going oh because my village is tiny there's only like 300 people that live there and I'm like oh is that um is that my is that so-and-so you know so and then I walked to the village and past the church and around the back and had so much fun and then I'm like I'm gonna go to Bali now and and so I went to Bali I went to my favorite beach uh and uh the, the resort where I like to stay the street where I like to you know get my uh favorite meals from and and then I ended up in India and I've been to New York. I was even, I went to Bel Air as well. Just to have a sticky beak. <laughs> to visit the Fresh Prince. 
I just wanted to have a look, Val. I just wanted, okay. you know, to, to have a look at the houses and, uh, yeah, Ooh. it was thoroughly enjoyable. So, uh, you know, in lieu of travel, that's uh, that's what I'll Do be you get doing. tired? Because you're kind of walking this whole way, you do, right? You, that's the great thing. You can walk for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And actually, I have a girlfriend and what she does before she goes on any holiday, because she's a bit of a, uh, likes to know, doesn't like surprises, right? So what she does before, she goes on a holiday is she'll look at um she'll she'll find the place that she's staying her 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 base like she'll book an apartment and stay say in one spot for two weeks and then leading up part of the excitement of planning the trip is every day she'll get on google maps on in her lunch hour and she'll walk the streets and so we were in this place together um, like a couple of years ago and I had to get to a location she said oh I know you got to walk through the and she was just doing this off the top of my head and I'm no have you been here before she's like no but I've walked the entire thing on google maps so I know how to find wow. everything that's Kinda a bit clever. like um, my partner he he's from Tasmania which of course is this tiny island at the bottom of Australia and when he moved to Sydney before he moved to Sydney he had a map of Sydney and bear in mind listeners if you haven't been to Sydney it's five million people it's not tiny it's rather large and so he had this detailed map of Sydney which he printed out and stuck on his wall so by the time he got to Sydney he actually knew how to get everywhere in Sydney. Oh what that's amazing. I know it's a bit ridiculous before we went to New York like on the plane he studied the the map of New York and this is kind of ridiculous but because of that we had to walk I'm not joking and I didn't even have the the proper shoes on no you never do Valerie yeah never we walked from Harlem to Williamsburg to Brooklyn and then to Williamsburg and then back wow ridiculous I my feet were I wasn't happy yeah no you wouldn't have liked that no quite unhappy but that's yes. amazing. So, yeah, the power of technology, you don't, you know, if we can't go there in person, uh, you can go there virtually and it is uh, a lovely thing to do just to take a break and, and look at nice things and visit places that we can hopefully all visit again very soon. Brilliant. All right, so where do we find you online, Gina? Uh, you can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media at Gina Militia. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, perfect time to do this and uh, really take control of your photography, then head check out the Gold Community. Head to ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 